Hi and welcome to the Real Girls Club. My name is Lucy and today I will be chatting with Rose Dimmock. Alongside her full-time job, Rose is a freelance film critic and festival editor at Screen Queens. She's written for publications such as Little White Lies, Zavi and Film Inquiry. Rose and I actually met while studying at university, so it was really great to catch up with her and see how Rose is paving her path in the film industry. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Um, and you've great, you've got like a almost like a call center headphone thing. Which is it's great. my it's my call center headset. It's <laughs> ah, really good, okay, but it makes okay. it looks proper dorky. It's like it's it really doubles helpful. up is a perfect thing for doing podcasts. Exactly, yeah. Okay, so cool. We'll just get like right into it. And what were your first steps um, into the working in the film industry? And you know, before going to uni, did you know that it was something that you wanted to study? Um, so I didn't. I liked film but I didn't ever think about studying it until I went to uni and in first year we had to do like um we had to pick a different subject to do a couple of modules in in first year and I picked film and discovered that I really liked it and I was a lot better at it than I was my English degree um so just ended up changing to um a 50-50 degree and yeah the rest is history pretty much didn't have a lot of film knowledge but just really enjoyed it and then learned from there okay so was that kind of like I mean wasn't necessarily at that point that you had like the light bulb moment to sort of go into film reviewing or did it sort of just Mm. make sense to you you know like was it a natural progression yeah I think I I think definitely a natural progression I mean I started um a blog while I was in third year and or the end of second year actually and just wanted to start trying to write a bit more and try and like hold myself accountable to seeing more films um all the like you know the classic stuff I hadn't seen um it didn't always happen but I just started writing from there and then just you know got to really enjoying it and it's just kind of snowballed from there I suppose. Mm -hmm. So when you were at uni was there like maybe a particular lecturer um or a film that you saw and you just thought like you know I really am interested in this and it's something I want to develop further. Yeah. Um, I think one that really sticks in my mind is the the first film uh, we watched, which was um, Pedro Almodovar's All About My Mother. I and do I remember, remember watching, watching that it. one as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it was the first time, I think it was the first Spanish film I'd watched. It wasn't the first foreign language film I'd watched, but I hadn't watched like a huge amount first um Spanish film I'd ever watched and I just remember like coming out of it at the end and being like okay wow that was really interesting yeah and and then I think we watched Psycho the next week and kind of just a really interesting like introduction to all these like classic cinema yeah really like well-established like world cinema international cinema Mm -hmm. and I just remember thinking oh, I want, to know, I want to know more about this. I want to know yeah. everything I can about this subject. Yeah, definitely. And um, so how did you get into film reviewing? Because, you know, obviously you started out writing essays and then a dissertation, I'm assuming, for then, and then going on to do a master's. So, you know, did you would you think that the, the writing that you did for, like, essays kind of helped you to understand how to write as a reviewer? Are they, are they completely different things? I'd say they're, they're pretty different to be honest I think definitely academic writing is its whole own little ball game when you're just trying to sound as clever as you possibly can <laughs> um whereas I think when you're writing reviews and stuff it's it's so much more about getting it 
for as a wider audience as possible can appreciate what you're trying to say Mm -hmm. rather than academics which can be quite kind of narrow in its kind of scope of who will eventually get to read it or want to read it in fact um so yeah I think it kind of it helped me understand film and how to like deconstruct film but the the writing style I would say is pretty pretty different Mm -hmm. and then I guess as well when you're writing reviews you're no longer getting someone giving you like uh, a grade at the end and telling you whether it's good or bad I guess you get comments though um or likes or the equivalent so you kind of get a rough idea what the feedback's like but not in the same way I'm not gonna lie I do sometimes miss getting graded on things yeah I do as well I just want someone to tell me how I've done (laughs) yeah I just want like a gold star at the end of the week whether it's been a good one for me or not like yeah I miss that as well give me feedback please (laughs) so so getting into filming reviewing um yeah you made your own blog and then you just started contributing people like how did you go about pitching and like actually getting people to sort of say yeah okay we'll let you write for us well, the first time I ever wrote for anyone that wasn't me, I actually got approached by um, this blog, um, like magazine website called um, World of Apu, who kind of focus a lot on mm-hmm. international cinema. They do a lot about film, but then also kind of creative writing responses to film. And they basically had read my blog and kind of approached me and said, would you like to write something for us? Um, and that was kind of my kind of starting block to mm-hmm. then go, oh, actually, I can write for these other these other outlets these other people and that people mm-hmm. are interested in what I've got to say yeah so I then started pitch I think my second pitch after that was my first like um unsolicited pitch I think you would say mm-hmm. uh, was for Screen Queens which I am now the festival editor of that's um, amazing yeah and that was a piece on I can't quite remember something to do with Marvel and it, to what what they should do next or something like that um and then yeah I just a lot of cold pitches a lot of very bad pitches have been sent out with really not much information in them um it's something that you've got to practice you you're gonna you're gonna if you start out doing it you will be terrible you've just got to keep going and yeah. try not to look at your sent in sent mail too much <laughs> months down the line because you will feel embarrassed yeah. you'll you'll naturally improve and get better at it and like yeah. and out of all those no's you'll get you know some yeses Um, have you noticed like any particular challenges as being a woman film critic you know compared to male critics one I can think of and the only one I can think of really because I'm not that familiar with uh, critics in cinema that much apart from like Mark Kermode for example like one of the most prominent in like well at least the UK film industry um yeah have you noticed anything in particular like you've found it harder to get your name out there compared to others or other women that you've noticed are critics they have they said the same I think it's a I think it's a bit of a mix to be honest I think a lot of it is all it's not just you know being a woman in film criticism I mm-hmm. think a lot of it is access and opportunity more to be honest mm-hmm. I think um you know I because I moved to London last year and now I can start going to press screenings and things like that which I wouldn't never have been able to do before just because I wouldn't have been able to get the train down once or twice a week and I wouldn't have had the time while working full-time as well and I think I think that's that's definitely um a factor in it for a lot of people that I know in in UK film criticism um but yeah I think obviously yeah location and you know having those kind of indie cinemas and 
just that access in a city if you're outside of a city if you're outside of london there's a lot of a reduced chance of actually getting to see these big things while mm-hmm. everyone else is before you know they were up for general release kind of thing mm-hmm. um i think i think there's definitely a bias in film criticism towards which you can kind of understand towards like established film critics and historically they have been like white male film critics film critics and i think it's trying to break down those kind of yes we can hold these critics they are good at their jobs but there's all these other people coming through who should be allowed opportunities to write for big papers and big outlets mm-hmm. um i think that's starting to change but i think it's very slow mm-hmm. and there's always a backlash to any kind of thing that tries any to change. um yeah, if you remember Brie Larson trying to um, encourage female film critics for Captain Marvel, I think it was. Okay. And the I don't, I don't backlash, this, it, she was kind of trying to get more female film critics into these spaces. Mm-hmm. And there was a big backlash on the internet, as there is when she does anything. Um, you know, they're not as good. Well, if they, they would be getting the opportunities if they were as good as the others. And it's it's... It's a lot more nu- nuanced than that, but yeah. it's the internet, so it's never going to be looked at in any great, you know, yeah. subtlety. But at the end of the day, I think, like, if you're going to review a film, it is good to have, like, different voices from different backgrounds. There's no point just having yeah, one definitely. tunnel view sort of thing. So more people from all backgrounds, and we need yeah. that, really. What would you say, actually, this flows on more to the next question, but better, like, how do you find your your, your own unique voice? How do you stand out from everyone else and make your voice heard? Because I guess some people might write in a similar style or mm-hmm. see things in the same way. I think, I think definitely practicing as much as you can your own style and that is something that will develop and you know you'll look back on pieces you wrote two years ago and go like, oh god that was terrible <laughs> but you will like in you've got to do anything you've got to practice anything to be able to develop it and mm-hmm. I think definitely finding your own style and being comfortable in your style um you know it's always going to be different to what someone else you know is writing and that's that's okay um I think it's definitely um if you ever go to film festivals which I've done a couple of now um when you're there with a big group of friends and you're all reviewing the same film for different Mm -hmm. outlets it's so difficult not to constantly compare yourself Mm. to these people that you know and these the the films that you've just seen because they'll all come out at the same time and it's suddenly like oh I'll click on I'll read this oh they they answered they put this in there that's so much better than I did and it's like it's not better it's just different yeah and you, you can you can read the, those reviews and be like, well, I've done that terribly. Or you can read it and go, okay, well, they put that in there. That's interesting. Would I do something like that the next time? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe not. I yeah. That's that's probably a more healthy way to look at it. It's not the yeah. easiest, but. Yeah, I get you totally. I mean, I guess one way to combat that would just be to not read anyone else's re- reviews at all. But then exactly. maybe it helps to also inspire you in some ways, as you said, for the next one. But best to just sort of think, stay focused on your own and your own sort of voice yeah yeah but definitely I'd, I'd, I'd say read as much other film criticism or journalism as you can you know you'll mm-hmm. find bits in there you'll find it ideas or inspiration and you know you can never read too much basically because you, you said you've um, gone to work at some film festivals and I think I know anyway so you've gone to Cannes and Berlin um, and yeah. what were they like how did they sort of help you network and grow into like yeah. a more confident film critic so um, 
the can I did two years in a row and I did the three day in can program which was like you know one of the things that made me think I'd, I'd I do like film I want to keep doing it yeah um the first year I was there I didn't really write a whole lot I think I wrote more the second year that was during the time of some very bad dodgy pitches to some outlets so apologies <laughs> to those people um and then yeah so Berlin I did uh last year just before the pandemic so I was actually out in in Germany that was lucky um, you got there just yeah, before. yeah it was very it was quite close to actually when everything started to shut down um but that was like my first time as accredited press. And I mean, you've got, you, you've got your own, there's like a whole floor of the Hilton or the Hyatt in, in wow. Berlin that's like the press. And it is mostly consisting of a lot of big bowls of apples and um, a free coffee thing. <laughs> they want you trying to keep healthy. people healthy and awake. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but it was there, I was actually able to meet friends and meet people that I'd spoken to on Twitter for, you know, a year or eight months or something like mm-hmm. that and actually got to meet them in real life and oh, that's, that's definitely nice. yeah that's definitely helped you know mm-hmm. you, you just get to meet more people and it's like I a think, community yeah definitely you, you build your own little community within the wider community of film mm-hmm. music, which I think is important with any job um but it's nice it's it, they're a good place to catch up and a good place to you know stay up way too late try and watch four films in a day and then do exactly the same thing the next day <laughs> so I was gonna say that's probably what all the, the the like refreshments and fruit is for because like you're watching like literally films all day long and anyone yeah. doing that in a, any like a, a normal day you would feel pretty like zombified after it with all the screen time <laughs> so and how, how you do you actually to... manage all the screen time like do you think oh I've got to give myself a break because you know you're constantly watching and reviewing films it's definitely something I've become aware of some, some, sometimes, some weeks more than others, you know, mm-hmm. when you've been, because I, I work full time as well and I'm staring at the screen all day and then it's oh, like, wow. okay, I'm finished now. Oh, I've got some writing to do. I've got some editing oh. to do and I should probably watch a film. And it, you do sometimes get to the point where you're like, no, actually, I need, I a, I need, I need a few days where I'm just literally not staring yeah. at anything in the evening as well. Yeah. Um, I think... I mean, I, tr- I try, it doesn't always work. I try to have set days when I'm like, right, I'm going to do editing on this day or I'm going to try and think of some ideas for pictures on this day. It doesn't happen very often, but, mm-hmm. you know, the thought the thought is there. Yes. Yeah. I think what I've realised with starting my own podcast and stuff, it's like some days you just get like a little thing done. I think that's okay. Like you create mm-hmm. a post or you send an email, like even if you've not done a massive amount, it's like you've got one step closer to something, like a complete exactly, thing. Yeah um because what I was going to say was is like that's probably one of the best best parts of being a film critic is meeting all those people and networking going to these press events is there yeah what are the other like good parts and what are the not so good parts I mean I guess you've just said it the screen time but yeah Yeah. um I mean I just I mean if you love films and you like just it's such a great place to just talk about films and find out as like just find out everything all mm-hmm. the new releases just like little bits like that it's like when you start getting PR emails when I got a PR email for the first time I felt so cool and it was just a yeah, very like generic explosive. one but I was just like got PR <laughs> emails now who are like, I? I know before everyone it's okay yeah look at me um, <laughs> I, was, I was gonna mention though actually I saw recently as part of the pandemic um Ali Plum from Radio One mm. was watching like a crazy amount of films per day and that just reminded yeah. me of what you were saying that, you know, like watching films all day at festivals, that's what it's like. So yeah. if you're a big enough fan, then it's not actually that a bad thing to have to do. 
Unless you get confused about what you saw in which film because they all blur into one or something. I mean, Letterbox. I only started using it last year and I'm, I'm obsessed with it. So. Oh, Letterbox is great. Yeah, it was actually um, one of our other uh, fellow classmates from uni that told me about it as well. Mm. And um, I didn't think I was going to like it. And then I kind of got hooked. I was like, this is actually a really great app. So if anyone's listening, we recommend you to download it because it is really good. What's your sort of film reviewing and writing process? Do you... Like, yeah, do you have a process or is it just like you watch it and then you write? Um, I kind of one. I was, uh, when you sent the questions over and I was thinking, what actually is my process? <laughs> um, it feels a bit like organised chaos, but I think I tend to like scribble notes down while I'm watching, like not mm-hmm. a huge amount, but mm-hmm. usually just like um, any, like any thoughts that pop to mind, a line I think is quite good. Anything that I'm kind of seeing reoccurring or like a good, camera shot usually not very well mm-hmm. described but you know in as many words as you can kind of yeah get down in the, the split second that you've got um and then I try to have a bit of a think once I finish the film like half an hour after or whatever and just kind of write a few more notes a bit more coherently about kind of what I thought you know more kind of more about the themes more about any like good bits bad bits and then I try mm-hmm. and write from there. Um, okay. I'm not very good at drafting things. I tend to just write them and then be like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, just like yeah. A, a word dump. You get everything out on yeah. the page and then edit it from there, maybe. I, I'm not one of those people who can write a perfect sentence and then just having it in a separate Word document. That's just my idea of hell. <laughs> it's just everything's on the page. Yeah. Um, and then try and edit it down and make it as you know interesting and coherent as possible. Mm-hmm. Um and then send it off to some whoever's going to uh, read it and check my grammar. You're still doing still doing like regular film reviewing, but as you're also a festival editor, so what does that kind of consist of? Uh, for uh, Screen Queens, um, yeah. which is um, a blog run for and primarily by um, women and members of the LGBT community. And um, it's kind of a space for people to either, you know, start writing for the first time or develop their writing. Um, so basically festivals editor involves coordinating all the festivals coverage um, which I only start in January so obviously up until now it's been pretty quiet I think over the next two or three months I think we're covering about four film festivals wow Um, so it's gonna start getting busy all of a sudden yeah so it's um, kind of you know coordinating between people who are um, going to be covering like making sure they're not all going to want to review the same films mm-hmm. and, and then just doing edits and uploading it up to the site once it's ready and then also like you know helping with them um, like if you ever apply for a festival you have to have your like stats for a website and all that stuff or editors letters which I pass on to the actual editor um, but it's just that kind of coordination a bit of actual editing um, a lot of trying to work out when all these um, films are showing and all their embargoes and um, when they're all in different time zones which is quite good fun. <laughs> Will you be able to go to any festivals yourself this year to review anything or? I'm hopefully doing Sundance London. Um, wow. I've sent in my application this week so I should hit back towards the end of the month. So Fingers quite crossed. Nice. Yeah, it's only a short um, couple of days. I think it's three or four days in mm-hmm. total, just in one cinema in central London, which okay. is... Is it linked nice to change. Sundance in America? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, it's okay. the, so it's like a partner. I think, yeah, yes, so yes. They sh- they're showing um, some stuff that premiered at Sundance earlier this year. So mm-hmm. Zola, 
um, I think Sensor might have premiered at Sundance, but that's showing in, in London. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of a bit of a, a second secondary release almost of the stuff, secondary festival release of all the stuff that's shown. Cool. And I know they've obviously got the BFI Festival in London and yeah. I don't know of any other film festivals in London apart from that one, really. <laughs> but I'm sure there are lots of like small indie ones. Lot, yeah. There's probably tons going on. Sort of a side note, I mean, you say you work full-time another job and you're also doing this and like I genuinely admire you because like managing your time is like a job in itself so I don't know if it's a silly question but like how do you like I know you said you know at the end of the day you've still got to go on and do work for something else but Mm -hmm. I'm sure eventually you would like to get to the point where you just do film 100% um like yeah how do you manage that like any advice for someone that's doing the same like maybe they're they're managing a other full-time job that they you know that's you know to make a living and then you know they've got their passion project on the side I mean first of all I think it's really nice to know you're not the only one who's doing that like a lot of my (laughs) friends who are also film critics are all doing it around full-time employment um yeah which is difficult I'm not gonna lie it's a lot of kind of finishing a day of work and then being like oh god I've got to edit this and I've got to do this and oh I should have should have applied for that the other day mm-hmm. um I think I mean everyone's different how they do time management I mm-hmm. try and be organized but then I just have a lot of things on my to-do list that I haven't done um so I try and you know make sure I've done you know I don't set myself I've got to do this many pitches a week I've got mm-hmm. to do this I I, I kind of as and when I'll pitch something or you know I'll say I'll do a couple of reviews this week or one Mm -hmm. or two other weekend Mm -hmm. but I think definitely trying to find whatever works for you trying to find your own schedule um Mm -hmm. but then also definitely giving yourself time off like and it's okay if you've got your own blog or anything which is what I learned quite quickly you don't have to review every single film you've watched which was something I did try to do at one point and nearly went mad um (laughs) so I think I think definitely just allowing yourself to have the time off as well because Mm -hmm. you're gonna you'll end up making yourself poorly if you just are working constantly Mm -hmm. and you're not going to you're going to end up not enjoying what you're doing as well I think it's it's definitely something you've got to enjoy Mm -hmm. um but you also need to allow yourself the space to enjoy it as well, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, that's something I've learned as well recently with doing my own like personal project and, or even just working in general, I don't think it has to apply mm-hmm. if you're like a freelance or working on your own thing, but just sort of at getting to a certain time of the day and being like, that's it. Like I'm not looking at any more emails. I'm not looking at anything. Like I'm just, yeah. cause I know some people will go into their weekend and their evening still checking things. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, you've not really divided your time. You know, I think it's good to yeah. have both how do you see like the future of women working in film press that's quite a broad question (laughs) I realize but is there something you'd like to see change and improve like as you say you and a lot of the people that you know that are working in film criticism are also working full-time jobs do you think there should be like more things in place to like support people to would that be more helpful do you think something like that to support people that are trying to get into that without having to manage so much you know on their own definitely I think I mean I I think that in, um, unpaid internships should not be legal and yeah. sadly they are part of getting into film criticism or journalism or media it's it's almost expected that you can that you should do 
or you need to do something like an in-paid internship mm-hmm. to get the kind of experience which is completely un um I'm trying to think of the word it is completely unethical like unethical unachievable I'd say for yeah okay I, I see what you're trying to people yeah also unethical yeah um, <laughs> both yeah you know for the vast majority of people we can't afford to live in London without getting paid for a six-month internship because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't have that money behind them or don't have the ability to save however much and it would be a lot to live in London I, I think you know kind of pushing back against these unpaid internships and trying to get we need, we need more basically entry-level roles whether that's like graduate roles and also you know um apprenticeships and stuff for people who've come out of school or finished college and don't know what they want to do but they want to do journalism mm-hmm. there needs to be an entryway into it through kind of training training partnerships with with media companies and I think mm. that would be a, a really good way to not even not only increase like the amount of women who can do it but the amount of people from like unrepresented backgrounds in general in the media because otherwise it's 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 only ever going to be majority people who went to boarding schools which I think there's something there's some very high percentage that came out recently I think it was maybe 70 percent of people in newspapers had gone to private school okay it's about seven percent across the and then again it comes back to the whole thing that the the films that are being reviewed are coming from a very one-sided viewpoint and we need more than just you know this person's view on it and if the films are getting reviewed from one certain film from one certain standpoint Mm -hmm. then that feedback is always only ever going to be the same so the same films are going to be made because yeah it has a whole knock-on effect really you wouldn't think it from one review but it does have a domino effect you know it falls back on everything yeah well I'd say amen to that because I yeah I agree with you (laughs) on most of that about the internships about everything um and where do you want to see your personal career go as a film critic? Like, what is your, I don't know, I don't have a five-year plan, but maybe you do. <laughs> Some people have five-year plans, 10-year plans. Like, do you, is there like big goals or aspirations? Like, oh, I'd love to interview this person or I'd love to review a film by this person. I don't know. Um, I'd say I don't particularly have any kind of um, set things of people I want to interview or films I'd like to review kind of thing. I think it's more, um, I'd like to be able to, if not freelance full time, because I think I don't think I am the type of person who could freelance full time, um, just purely due to the kind of the financial, you know, constraints of it. Mm-hmm. I think to be able to, you know, work full time, work part time and freelance part time, I think would be something I'd love to love to be able to you know be established enough to do that mm-hmm. um I mean or get a full-time job writing for someone that would be also yeah a magazine ideal. or whatever I mean I'd say yeah. you're already like halfway there you're already an editor for a website so you never know but yeah so basically you would like to eventually yeah get yeah. to that kind of stage of things yeah and you know get paid more often because it is a lot of it is um it's still unpaid to be honest um, oh, really okay yeah because that's the that's the only way that you can kind of well the only way that I can kind of build up my own expertise of it mm-hmm. um obviously you'll pitch to places and some places will be able to pay you but um I mean more yes. than established magazines and websites yeah. they will be able to I guess they've got more yeah. put in place but I know we were saying we want it we, that's the sort of thing you want to change but it is the nature of a lot of these sort of jobs like in Definitely. film I mean whether you're 
writing creating making music or whatever like a lot of people have to hustle for such a long time until they yeah get paid properly yeah um, it's, it's definitely building up your contacts building up people you know your network building up your own skills which can feel like a bit of a slog I'm not gonna lie but you yeah. know but then I think it's it's like you'll see your tra- trajectory and then you'll look back and you'll be like and then it'll all make up to this sort of thing at the end like not at the end but you know what I mean when you yeah. get to the the next milestone are there any films that you're looking forward to reviewing that are coming out soon so I had I had a lovely little google for this because my brain went completely dead but um <laughs> pretty much everything that's going out for London for the first Sundance which I've already mentally got press accreditation to even though I haven't actually had the confirmation yet um I'm actually I'm going to my first ever press screening next week which I'm very wow. excited about which is to Congratulations. see um thank you um perks of living in London yes definitely um, sorry where's that gonna be um or can you not tell me is it that's um, a good point I don't actually know where it is <laughs> in a cinema probably I think I just had to send the RSVP email and then they'll they'll get back to me with the actual they can be quite secretive about them sometimes it's like we'll tell you near the time and it's like <laughs> Okay, sure. Yeah, I guess they don't want any leaks or like. That's true. Just how, how do you have to do that quite a lot as a film critic? Like, keep quiet about certain things. I think. I mean, the only thing I can think of really is um, like film festival embargoes. To be honest, when mm-hmm. it's like you, if something's premiering, you can't. Usually, you can't publish your review until half an hour after the first public screening has started. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a lot of kind of everyone waiting and waiting and waiting and then you know 15 different like things appearing on your twitter of everyone publishing the same uh, the same review that's probably the most i've had to do i'm not quite a you know getting high level secrets out of directors yet but okay maybe one day <laughs> i just remember it, it like was it two years ago when tarantino brought out his last or latest movie and um, once upon a time in hollywood and he made like a big he asked to have a big announcement made before on paper saying nobody's allowed to talk about this so like i wonder if it's quite common before like press screenings where they're like don't say anything until like the official you know um like release um, i'll date let you know because it'll yeah. be my first one so if they could get, okay, make me sign yeah. any ndas then i'll be <laughs> i'll be away but then i guess you have to get the reviews out there to encourage people to go and eventually see it but they'll do it like close enough to the yeah release date yeah. and it's not like too many spoilers and reviews like how'd you go no, about exactly navigating spoilers i don't know that's um i've i've uh i'm not very good sometimes sometimes <laughs> it's really hard yeah. you know with some films it's really hard not to spoil them because they're it's either essential to yeah essential it. or you're just kind of going and this ha- and you know and there's these these interesting things happening and I can't really <laughs> tell you what they are and then um, yeah a lot of kind of ellipses and your reviews so yeah which films were you looking forward to reviewing oh, yeah. then sorry um, so <laughs> we went off topic a bit um, but yeah I really want to see um one that's showing in Sundance which is um Censor by Prano Bailey Bond um, it's like it's about this woman who's um a member of like the censor board for um I think it's maybe Northern Ireland or Irish film mm-hmm. and she watches it's all set in the 80s it's like video nasties mm-hmm. and she watches a film that is like eerily similar to the events of her sister getting murdered and it's this kind of like proper genre kind of mashup of like video nasties in horror and thriller mm-hmm. and from the trailer it just looks really good like I'm not a huge huge fan of gore for like gore's sake and mm-hmm. I don't think it is um 
but it looks really interesting and sounds interesting i'll have to note yeah. that one down but we've ended up talking so much it's been really interesting by the way so thanks so much and no, i love it me. like i mean i've only had you're my third guest on my little podcast and um but it's great when someone's enthusiastic about what they do and like they know what to talk about last thing your one piece of advice for someone wanting to get into film criticism or journalism I feel like we have kind of covered this in some ways mm. throughout but to resume it like maybe in try a, and sum it up, sum it up yeah. um I think definitely find your community of people find people who you know you get on with who who's writing you like mm-hmm. um you know you will develop your own little kind of community definitely and watch as much as you can you don't have to review it all but just watch as much as you can and read as much as you can as well definitely recommend that whether it's even if it's just like you know any articles that's not even related to film I think anything you read helps you with your own writing so I definitely recommend that which is something I'm trying to improve on I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Rose Dimmock if you'd like to see more of Rose's work then head to her website at rosedimmock.contently.com or alternatively rosefd.wordpress.com You can also check out on the Real Girls Club Instagram page for Rose's top five film recommendations at Real Girls Club. Thank you for checking out today's episode. I'm really excited about my next episode, which will be with intimacy coordinator Ita O'Brien. So do stay tuned for that and I'll see you in the next one.